one, breaker one, this is Shark Pants Free Radio. Gamers, get your ears on because we're blowing the speakers out. Grimdark Live. It is time for Grimdark Live. This show is for the nerds, the outcasts, the weirdos. And for short pants gamers? No, not you. Ah, crap. Get ready, all you grimdark goons, for dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf. Only right here on Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, the webcast for all things Dice Dragons, Demons, and a Dwarf from the Warhammer Worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, I got Justin with me. What do you hear? What do you say, bud? It's been a long week, but I'm ready for this show, so let's get going. It's been a long week, man. It's been a long week, and it's only Tuesday, so that's a crazy thing. You could say that before when we were on on Thursdays, because then it was like a yeah. long week, but I mean, it's really been that rough of a week. I mean, it's already Tuesday. What's been going on in your life that like all of a sudden, you're Tuesday, you're like, oh my God, I need a drink? Uh, spent five days trying to fight a cold or something and dealing with my kid and everything else, you know, life. Well, well I, I, you look, I'm not, I'm not judging you, man. I'm, I'm hundred percent Irish. I need any reason for a drink. You know, I put my shoes on I need a drink. I opened a door. I need a drink. <laughs> so I, I completely understand whatever, whatever reason is good enough by me, Justin, you know that. Uh, but yeah, folks, we have got a, uh, quite a show for you tonight. we got a guest that possibly is going to be joining us uh, here a little bit later to help us talk about our topic tonight, um, which is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking about a destruction army. So first things first, though, welcome to Grimdark Live. You know, uh, we, uh, we appreciate everybody uh, here listening tonight and everyone being with us. And uh, mm-hmm. if, you, if you like what you're hearing, like what you're seeing, please don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So uh, here it is, gang. We... Um, uh, we actually have uh, a destruction army. So, you know what, folks? I hope you're hungry because we're going to be talking ogres tonight, man. Ogre Maw tribes on the show. Um, this army really has been rumbling across the tabletop since November of 2019. And I've been playing them since that time, you know, uh, actually beforehand when they were just known mm-hmm. as Beast Claw Raiders, uh, when, when they just had their standalone battle tome. Um, but if you're new to ogres, if you're new to ogres, uh, stick around because we're going to be talking about them being competitive and even some fun lists and, you know, kind of generalizing about how this army is currently playing in the current meta. Um, and if you're an old gut like myself, um, you know, stick around, you know, because we're also going to be talking about, uh, you know, the army and, and, and really what we're able to work with as far as different looks of the army, different ways to build a list. And, and again, you know, this is just going to be a, a conversation here, folks. We're going to talk about this army. This was this was one of the first armies, Justin, that kind of gave us a combo book. You know, if you remember, right. I mean, it, it, it brought in the Gut Busters and the Beast Claw Raiders and, you know, the greatest unit in the entire game, Justin. You make me say it or you're going to say it with me. The greatest unit in the game. Who is it, Justin? Come on. Let's hear it. Your novelars. See, Got it. see, there it is. Here, did you did you hear the poetry that just came off of Justin's, you know, mouth yeah, right yeah, out of there? Yeah, I gotta yeah, tell yeah. you. See, this is the way they're just just saying it. Novelers It's just really. We could probably just, and I think if you wanted Justin, we could just spend the entire hour and a half just repeating the word nobbler. What do you think? I don't know. Do you feel like kicking shit down the road for about an hour? You know what? Why do you have to say that, folks? You know, let me go back to that drinking thing that I was referring to earlier. You know, he <laughs> he's he drinks excessively. No. You know what? Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about that, even for some of your old guts uh, to kind of, you know, kind of see what the Army's up to. And, and you know, here's the thing. We want to really just kind of discuss the Army. I've got a couple of lists we're going to put up and, and kind of show and talk about because I think the Army, if you look at some of the past uh, major GTs, you know, the, this Army is still in the top ten. And I don't know yeah. necessarily that there is uh, 
I, I think it was Best Coast Pairings, Justin. If, mark me if I'm wrong. I think Best Coast Pairings in March just came out with something that showed where ogres were like in the, the top 10 or something like that. So, I mean, I don't think there's... Or, a, or riding that cusp. Some, yeah. They're, and, they're, and They're really close. I know that. I'll find it. I'll find the, the article and I'll link it to the show notes below if I can if I can get a hold of it. But uh, I think it was Best Coast Pairings that did that. You want to check them out because they kind of do all that. They do the ratings, you know, best army, best mm-hmm. unit, you know, top 10. And they're pretty good about doing that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, I don't think there's really a bad list in the bunch, really. I, I, I think it kind of goes back to how they're played. And, and, and I think ogres for the most part are a pretty resilient army. You know, they're pretty forgiving on mistakes as far as a player is concerned. Uh, but Hey, you know what? I mean, they, they do have their drawbacks. Like I, you know, for instance, off the top, off the top of my head before you get going, I can't figure out why the hell gluttons, ogre gluttons, big 900 pound, you know, monsters basically don't have rend. I don't know that I'll ever really be able to rationalize that in my brain, uh, but hey, you know what? I mean, they're they're still a they're still a pretty darn uh, darn good army. But you know, one more thing, I want to share a story before we keep going. And, and again, uh, Justin, Go my ADHD is, is, and I swear to God, it's not about nobblers. But you know, before we start talking about uh, Maw tribes, I wanted to share a story about a person some of you out there in the community may know, and and that's Christian Weir. Um, he really is a great person in this community, and he has to do with this. I think I tell this story every time we talk about ogres. Uh, but seriously, honestly, folks, Christian is is one of the nicest guys I know uh, in the community. Of course, not nicer than Randy, who is the nicest guy in tabletop wargaming. I just want to clarify <laughs> that. Uh, but close second. Um, no, he really is. Christian really is a definition of a good guy and a heck of a gamer, too. But here's the story, um, and it has to do with ogres. You know, um, this story actually relates to my return to Ogres, because uh, I, I had stopped playing them for a while. And you see, uh, Christian and I and a bunch of other gamers, we were at a store event in the summer of like 2018, I believe it was, and I was talking about how I wish I had kept all of my, my Ogres. I had sold sold them all and given some away, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I stated that I had uh, intended on repurchasing Ogres in the near future. Well... As, as the situation would have it, Christian was actually playing his ogres in this thousand point, you know, in-store tournament. And, you know, the tournament went on and it was a one day, three game uh, uh, team tournament. That's what it was. It was a thousand points per person. That's what it was. It was a team tournament. And at the end of the tournament, uh, Christian just literally handed me thousand points of ogres for free. And they were well painted, like really well painted. Like he's, he's a hell of an artist and uh, just, just handed them over to me. And I've never forgotten that. I really have never, never forgotten that. And, um, you know, uh, I, I've, I've, you know, always tried to thank him for it every time I see the guy because he really is just a, just an awesome person. You know, it's funny. There's stories like that about Christian throughout the community, you know, as far as being somebody that uh, that that always is, is giving to uh, the, the, the community. But he's a great guy. And, Christian, if, you, if you're listening, uh, thanks for being one of the best, bud. But, hey, we do have a guest with us, man, and he finally joined us, another fellow ogre player. <laughs> All right, so I think we're gonna we're gonna give him a few more minutes to uh, to get his situation there worked out, and then uh, we're gonna be right back uh, with him. So, uh, but folks, here it is, man. We got that point in the time. We're gonna go through the question of the day. Uh, so here it is. Don't answer it now, but be ready for this one because this is also gonna fall into one of our news topics as well. So here it is, man. Here's the question of the day. So will Kragnos? B, the change of focus to the Broken Realm storyline for destruction, or is he part of another Grand Alliance? So there it is, man. That's the question of the day. Justin, what do you think, man? Should I repeat it? Yeah, go for it. All right, here it is, man. Here's the question of the day one more time. Will Kragnos 
be the change of focus of the Broken Realm storyline for destruction, or is he part of another Grand Alliance? That's the uh, that's the that's the question of the day coming up here later on in uh, on Grimdark Live. So uh, so so what do you think, man? Um, you ready to keep rolling here, Justin? I'm ready, man. Let's go. All right. Well, let's uh, let, let's go with the let's let's open it up here, man. Are you are you staying true? You sniffing glue, man? What do you uh, what do you got on the uh, on the hobby table? Uh, it's a little bit of 50, 50 this week. Uh, like I said, I'm getting over a cold. So I've had one day of hobby this week or this last week, I should say between the shows. Um, but I was able to get a bunch of the terrain stuff done for armed forces day four coming up. Um, so adding a whole arsenal of trees and other things like that for just scattered terrain. So there's going to be a lot of stuff coming with me that day and it's going to be fun. All right. All right, well, good stuff, man. Good stuff. You know, I've been uh, I've been still working at uh, uh, you know getting getting Armed Forces Day ready. We're at our our final little stretch here with that, so uh, we should be uh, ready for that come June fifth and sixth. So I guess for the most part, I kind of took a little bit of a little bit of a breather this week. Uh, we got the last few uh, few things to get cleaned up. So I guess in a way, I've been sniffing glue too. But uh, but for the most part, the tournament is uh, is coming together uh, pretty uh, pretty well. But I know that we got our guest that's trying to join us right now, and uh, and we got a lot in the news, man. Are you are you ready for uh, are you ready for this? Yep. There's a lot in there, but we'll do the best we can to cover what we can. Yeah, we we are gonna we are gonna cover everything. So we, uh, we're gonna get into the news. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. I'll say it again. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios are the real terrain nerds you all need to be getting your terrain from. Get your commercial laser-cut MDF bases, silicone molds for resin prints, game and hobby accessories like 15 to 28 millimeter terrain, 15 to 28 millimeter figures, and 15 to 28 millimeter vehicles, and a lot more. Get your nerd on with Six Squared Studios. Check them out at sixsquaredstudios.ca. Again, that's sixsquaredstudios.ca. Six Squared Studios. Hey gang, today's news is brought to you by Six Squared Studios. Yep, an awesome company for all your gaming and hobby needs. Six Squared Studios. I'll say it again, Six Squared Studios. So get your nerd on with Six Squared Studios. Check them out at sixsquaredstudios.ca. Again, that's six-squaredstudios.ca. Six Squared Studios, where tabletop terrain is made by gamers for gamers. Just like their saying goes, gaming accessories made by gamers for gamers. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Tabletop terrain by expert nerds for exceptional nerds. All right, we've got the news, man. We are back, and our guest finally joined us, man. We got Nick with us tonight. Nick, what do you hear? What do you say, bud? He's calling in from his cell phone here to talk ogres with us tonight. What's a good hey guys, word, bud? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you guys. Not, not much happening over here. Well, I'll tell you what, man. We're uh, we're we're happy as uh, as a couple of madmen to have you back on the show with us, man. It's been a while. I mean, I know that you're on one of the older shows, but uh, folks, if, if this is uh, this is one of the gamer goons, man, with the Grimdark Group, and this guy is a uh, he's got more street credit with the ogres than I do. So, uh, the, the, he's he's a, he's a damn good ogre player. As a matter of fact, I think uh, what other armies do you play, Nick? I know that you play ogres, and what else? Uh, I've been I've dabbled into orcs. Uh, That's I, I right. That's really what draw me into the hobby was orcs. But uh, yeah, I've been more competitive playing ogres for the last couple of years now. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not going to ask you what you're bringing to uh, Armed Forces Day. We don't want to, we don't want to, you know, let that out of the bag yet because I don't even know myself. But uh, I, I, I think it's going to be something destruction related, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can count on that. You can count on that. 
There you go. All right, well, let's keep going with the news here, man. So let's go to that rumor engine. This is the first piece that we have up here right now. And, uh, you know, here it is, gang. It's rumor engine of the week. I'm still saying 40K just like it was last week. And, and at first thought, I thought it was Tau. Um, you know, I guess now that I look at this and after talking to some of my 40K pals, uh, they're saying it could be some type of a, uh, you know, a craft world. So I'm thinking, okay, it's an Eldar Frisbee. Wonderful. All right, uh, <laughs> Justin, what do you think, man? You're a 40K guy. What do you think? I I, I was going to say Tau initially, too. And then I looked, went back and looked at the lines and the cleanliness of it. And, you know, you got Wardstones. And I don't – I'm thinking Eldar as well. Oh, I was probably kidding. Some, I was kidding. Really? No, no. I actually think it's Eldar. And I think it's probably some kind of shield per, uh, generator or something of that matter. Maybe the Eldar got wise and stole something from the Tau for once. Yeah. You know? Okay. I mean, yeah, Maybe. Maybe. So I know that uh, Nick, you're call- you're calling on your phone, dude. But have you seen the rumor engine this week? I did. I, d- I saw that this morning. It looked like that's kind of disc-looking thing that somebody was tossing or something. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think? Is it? Uh, is it? Is we know it's 40k, but what do you think yeah, it is it's in 40k? 40K. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I know nothing about 40k. Uh, Tau jumped to mind when I saw it just because of the armor plating. But uh, yeah, I don't know enough about the model range to, to really speculate on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, I think I think I'm going to agree here with, uh, with with Dustin, too. I think it's definitely craft worlds of some type. But I wonder if it's, um, you know, in my limited 40k knowledge here, and I'm going to kind of, you know, take a left turn at Albuquerque on this one. But I think I wonder if it's the uh, the hand of a ranger, you know, placing like some type of a mine. You know, I know that they used to be able to deploy traps back in Codex Craftworld Eldar, I think it was, right. uh, with the uh, the ranger disruption table or something like that or, or what, whatever that was. So I think it might be something like that. But that's, again, folks, don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm a neophyte when it comes to 40K, so... Uh, I mean, what, what, sure. originally, what originally pointed me to Tau on it was just kind of the design of it, but then... I caught a glimpse of the hand, and the hand is what gave it away. That's not a Tau hand. Okay. That's that, that's an el- that's an elven hand. What? Too many it's fingers too, or something? Too many fingers, and it's they're too slender. So it's it's definitely going to be in the Eldar range. All right. All right. Well, moving on here, man. Speaking of slender and too many of them, we got oh, uh, we got Slanesh that's here, man. We got uh, now we got more perverts. We know what to do with. I mean, and uh, here it is. So, following the Broken Realms Marathi dual kit for for you know, I guess two new demons. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to say it right now. I think they're great new models. Um, I do have to say though, it's an alarming trend that uh, GW seems to be doing of, of adding things to armies just after army books uh, are, are released, you know, Lumineth and Hedonites, and here they are doing it again. I mean, but uh, but yep. they granted great, great uh, models. I mean, Nick, have you seen these new models? I did. I did. I was pretty surprised that they uh, still have more in store for Selenash. I kind of thought they would... Uh showed everything they were going to show but yeah definitely pretty cool models yeah yeah i mean well i mean for for someone like you for someone like you and, and even you justin you guys are, are are some awesome painters i mean this is right up your i mean you even if you're not a slant s player does this kind of like make you look at this and go hell yeah i want to get my brush on this thing you know what it, it's not even the model itself it's actually the wings i kind of wanted to take the wing portions of them and use them someplace else <laughs> have, have you seen you, have you seen the photoshop pictures of the peacock <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i did but I mean, they're, they're, it's a gorgeous model, don't get me wrong, in, in terms of what it would be for Slanesh. It's just, I, I don't understand why all of a sudden we have another aesthetic model for Slanesh coming out. It, it's, you know, it's like another greater demon hitting the table when they just gave us one 
what was it six months ago a bigger a new version of the Slanesh De- Greater Demon? Yeah, yeah. So, I got I got I got my point of view on that too, but I, I think I know where you're going with that. I mean, but but from from the from the painting point of view, Nick, what do you think, man? I mean, are these are these an art right up your alley on this one? Um, me personally, no. They're a little bit too regal and flowing for me with the with the long draping cloths and whatnot. Um, I, I guess I like the body and the face kind of look to it. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm more of a, uh, I don't know how, how to say it, but yeah, I, I don't know. Those, the big cloths and the, the big, what is it? And kind of headdress. I don't know. What, what is that thing in the back? Yeah. I'm not sure. It's almost like the, a, the, the pompadour. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah that, that stuff's a little bit too, a little bit too flashy for me, I think. You know, Justin, after the show, you need to explain to me how the hell you know what the hell a pompadour is. I mean, a pompadour to me sounds like something you order at like a like a pastry shop or something. Pompadour? Oh, Lord. What the hell pompadour. is a pompadour? What? Whatever. We're moving on. I don't know what the hell you're talking it's about. It's a little too fancy for you, I think. Yeah, boy. You know, hey, hey, Nick, Justin over here is hanging out at the country club. Let's go get a beer. Oh, Lord. <laughs> sounds about right, yeah. All right, so you know, honestly, guys, I'm I'm gonna get on my soapbox here a little bit with this whole Slanesh thing, but I'm 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 a little torn. Like I thought they were really great models; they're awesome to see. I love them, uh, and I agree that that you know GW should be getting out you know good product in any given time. But you know, I, I kind of agree and disagree on this top on this whole release here. Um, I, I think I think I think these to me look like generic variant keepers or demon princes. Um, and and if I can't I can't I can't get my brain to stop thinking like that, so I can't really appreciate them because they to me they just kind of look like the uh, knockoff of a keeper of secret or a, a, a demon prince. Um, you know, as new special characters, I don't know that necessarily Slanesh needed that. I mean, the range is already saturated with you know pretty tedious named characters um, that really. Uh, to me, don't really fit too well in in, 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 in a unit. Um, I mean, unit champions, uh, given some some shoddy background they have, are, are mostly just a stupid named weapon away from the generic troop type. Uh, you know, I, I, I know that's me kind of being a little uh, negative on it, but when I first saw it, I was like, you know, they, they could have just brought these 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 two out with the, the book that just came out. I mean, that I should say the book that just came out to trump the book that just came out previous to that. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think from a fluff standpoint too, the, the, the newborn as they're called, um, had so much potential to be a, a, a background menace that, that developed over time into, into something horrifying, uh, and really exquisite, I guess. Uh, or, or how about this one? Exquisitely horrifying is what I'm trying to say. Instead, they, they kind of mysteriously became uninspired twins. So, well, Right, but That's part of the problem thought. is we don't we don't know what book their their actual stats or war scrolls are going to drop in. We don't know if they're going to be in the fourth the fourth book for Broken Realms or if they're going to reprint the Heat Knights book again. Well, that or goes, if they're just yeah. or or if they're just going to be a snippet that says, "Okay, here's two war scrolls, just tape it into your book." Yeah, I just I would, I would you hope know? that uh, I would. Yeah, I just you know again, like I said in the beginning, I kind of I kind of feel it's a little <laughs> irresponsible on GW's part to to release these things after a book that right. just trump the last new book i don't know maybe that's me being negative but well um we did we just just had the major lumineth re-release too so yeah that was kind of a weird weird all of a sudden hey here's two books that contain the same information yeah and and, and nick let me get your two cents on this one what do you think about this i mean i i seem to see a pattern going on here with games workshop with this obsession with paired models you know uh we i i think i think as as gamers we already had the subpar slanesh pair which are right here in front of us 
the, the, the two aspects of Marathi, uh, you know, the abysmal light elf twins, which uh, at least are, are built from one kid only. And, and now this nonsense of, of, of Gork and Mork being Siamese twins that can separate and recombine at will. So I, I you know, do you, do you see the same pattern? It just seems a little goofy that all of a sudden like GW is infatuated with twins. Uh, yeah, it is a little strange. I mean, it's a good, it's a good way to make two war scrolls off of one kit. And so, I mean, I, I get it, but, and, and I mean, I, I guess I don't mind it either since, uh, I, especially at a fun standpoint too, because, uh, yeah, like with the separation and coming back together and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of neat. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might be able to represent that on the table. That's cool. You know, and, and that's a great way to look at it. I guess I shouldn't be just a negative prick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm all with you for the for not uh, the the weird releases here, though. I, I would be aggravated to, to buy a book and then not have all the information in it. Yeah. Luckily, I, I haven't had that problem yet, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, put everything in the book and call it a day. Be, yeah, be, I think be, I think GW is still playing catch up though with all the COVID crap and everything else you know, too. And, so and this is why Nick and I play ogres, man. This is why Nick and I play ogres, you know, because uh, they they gave us our book in 2019, and and we've been mildly happily disgruntled ever since, right, Nick? <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a, a nice named character from uh, Broken Realms would not be uh, unwelcome. Yeah, there you go. Hey, but at least you got your Anvil of Apotheosis character. You can create one. There you go. Um, but yeah, going back to the Slanesh and just kind of wrap this part up here, you know, I think I think just given the the new battle tome was just released, you know, holding these back, you know, kind of smacks, I think, some of the players, uh, Slanesh players kind of in the face a little bit. And um, I kind of was hoping GW had kind of grown out of it with their first gaff of the uh, of the of the Heed Knights book. And then, of course, their second gaff with the Lumineth book. But um, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Uh, still a great company, great models. Oh, uh, yeah. But you know, obviously, speaking of gaffs, I mean, you know, obviously, GW is 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 having some trouble because you guys hear about this new GW is going to have to take a little bit of a break. I mean, they just came out and they announced that the pre-orders are stopping for a few weeks. Um, yep. What the hell does that mean? I mean, there's so much to unpack there with this little message from them. I mean, is it is it linked to the Curse City debacle? I mean, is there even a debacle with Curse City? I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't say there is. I mean, everybody keeps saying Curse City's got a debacle because it was you know it's limited right now. I think it's more having to do with shipping and, and other problems in other well, countries for production than think, anything else. I think that's the other thing. You, you have no idea. I mean, they just come out and they announce that pre-orders are going to be stopped for a few weeks. Right. Um, you know, are, are the are the production lines, are they just too full? Do they not have enough workers? Uh, you know, how, how many weeks do they need to recover? I mean, does GW need to increase the, the production line? You know, do they need to? I, I'm not sure. But, I mean, Nick, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know. Maybe the demand is is higher than they expected, but uh, but it, it's hard to believe. But I mean, I, I don't understand why they would only print so much of one one thing. When... Yeah, yeah, it, it it there there is right, Nick. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here with with what you know. I'm trying to mentally digest with uh, with this statement, but you know, I mean, you'd think a multi billion dollar company would would understand that um, you know you put a bunch of gamers in their basement during COVID where they can't leave. Uh, and, and, you know, you fill them up with a lot of daydreams, plastic models, and glue, you know, they're going to buy a lot of stuff because if nothing else, they're bored, you know? So, I mean, yeah. they, they just, they had record sales during COVID. What, what did they say? What, what happened with Bellacore? Where, where, where there's only a couple of models per store or something? Two, two models per store because of limited shipping and issues with production. Oh, so so it'll probably be remedied at some point. Though. Oh, it will be. And yeah, I'm pretty yeah, okay. sure Curse I'm pretty sure Curse City will have a second run mm-hmm. at some point once they get whatever production problems are currently running in line. 
And I think most of it's probably having to do with the other components inside of the box, not the plastic models. Okay. Do, did yeah, you see anything? Uh, have you guys heard anything on Curse City? I'm, I'm kind of sidebarring here before we move on to our last topic of the news. But did you guys hear anything on Curse City as far as uh, any more any more like scalpers out there, you know, trying to just rake people over the coals for the price? Because I know the thing retailed like uh. 200, and, 200 bucks or something like that. But is anyone out there being like, look, $500? I mean, anybody out there? You cannot find a full unsealed box on eBay for under $300 right now. No. Oh. It, it's it's really? ridiculous. Is that, is that, is that yes. real? I've seen them. I've seen them for three hundred to four hundred dollars or more. I've seen the individual characters being sold anywhere from twenty-five to seventy dollars a piece. I mean, it just depends on who you're dealing with. Okay. I mean, it's it, right. it's insanity. Yeah, Nick, what have you seen out there? Anything? Uh, man, I haven't been paying attention, but I know I know exactly what you're talking about. And I mean, that, that that's a little ridiculous. I think people do just scoop up these things just for the sole just purpose a, yep. of reselling them. And yeah, that's really just not, uh, not a fair thing to do. Nah, well, I, I, I came across a Facebook post. Somebody had like six copies of the game. He was breaking down the heroes and he was selling each of the heroes for $30 a piece, plus like $10 shipping. It's, and it doesn't cost $10 to ship one of those models. You know what I think? Um, I, I hope that dude gets stuck with it all. I really do. Yeah, people isn't that, isn't that terrible to say? Yeah, I no, know. People, I know. People, people unfortunately pay, will pay it, especially especially when you read through the War Scrolls on some of those characters and some of the things they can do. Yeah, those characters are going to be popping up in battle armies all over the place just yeah. because of what they can do. Nick, we just want that ogre, right? Yeah, right. No, isn't he ordered? No order. He is ordered. He actually is yeah. from the. He's from the. He's from an unspecified city of Sigmar, or not actually unspecified. It's the, the um, Ulfakin or whatever I think is the city, and they actually are specified to that city. You know what? They really are going back to 6th edition Warhammer Fantasy Battles. We are going to see moot ogres with halflings in an Empire army all over again, aren't we? I wouldn't be surprised. Well, speaking of upcoming uh, in the game, uh, we got uh, Kragnos. And uh, here, here's what I want you to do. When, when you're looking at this picture of Kragnos right now, I want you to look at this. I want everyone to look at this pick, and I want you to think about to yourself who Kragnos is. Now, here's the thing. You heard about you heard what our question of the day is, what the top is at the top of the show, and we're going to be asking that towards the end of the show. Um, but I want you to think about that too. I mean, I'm I'm going to tell you my Kragnos theory here uh, with with the answer, my answer to the question of the day uh, here later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. But I mean, uh, it is kind of. Um, Interesting, I guess is the best thing to, to, to say as far as Kragnos. I mean, Nick, you got a, you got a theory on, on who and what Kragnos is? Uh, you know, I, I was leaning towards Kurnothi at the beginning, but not, now that I've seen that destruction has gotten nothing, and after that picture where he looks quite destruction-like, I'm pretty sure he's not Kurnothi. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. As, as far as who he is, you mean like what, who he is as, 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 as an entity? Well, I mean, did, did well, you hear, who does he belong to? Who does he? Yes, exactly. What what uh, what uh, grand alliances he belong to, and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Oh uh, well, yeah, I, I'm pulling for destruction. Let's see a new destruction army. I mean, he's right. kind of got a bear, bear face looking. I mean, let's get some bear people out there. All right. Cool. Well, well, we're we're gonna hold we're gonna hold the rest of that answer on you, Nick, uh, till till the end of the show when we get when we ask you the question of the day. But I mean, Justin, you, you got your thoughts on this one, huh? Yeah, I'm. I got my thoughts, but I'll I'll share those at the question of the day, just because I don't want to delve too deep into it. Yep, we got to do that, man. But you know, before we get to the question of the day, we got ogres. A public service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D Printing. 
Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. Now, back to the show. Ogres, man, ogres, and we are going to be talking Ugas. about that and getting deep down into that. And we got a great guest with us tonight, uh, joining us. He's he's actually one of our uh, one of our grimdark goons, man. And uh, Nick has actually got more street cred with the ogres than I do, man. Nick, thanks again for being with us, man. You're here to talk about some some of your ogres, some, and, and you're primarily a gutbuster player, right? Yes, sir. I do not own any beast claws anymore. Yeah, well, you know what, and that's one thing that uh, that I think uh, that that. Um, Nick and I have always kind of shared in commonality with with the ogres, but we kind of went at it from two different uh, two different aspects. I was more, I was more into the Beast Claw Raiders, and he was more into the uh, Gut Busters. So uh, we got to team up sometime and beat the crap out of people, Nick. We got to do that, right? Yeah, that would be a pretty sweet two v two game, huh? <laughs> oh, that and, and I've just taken the damn tail whipping on both sides of that scale. So <laughs> that, yeah, that would be awesome. But hey, as a sidebar here, Justin, you're right. We got uh, uh, we we got we got uh, Sons of Behemoth, the Iron Jawed Rat Bastard himself, right here, saying uh, that Justin is correct. Three hundred dollar minimum, and that's on uh, Curse City uh, Highway Robbery, man. Because I think that thing was like one ninety nine. But at any rate, let's keep talking about ogres. Let's get back into this. So. Um, so, so Nick, let's get into this, man. Let's have a good, good conversation on this because we, you know, you know, before the battle tome, uh, ogres were really an outlier army, you know, especially gut busters because we already had the beast claw raiders in that battle tome already. Um, mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I saw the ogre Maw tribes book before, when I saw this awesome book here, I was, I was really ecstatic to finally see that iron guts, uh, had an update to hit on threes. I think that was one of the things that first made me go, Ooh, maybe there's something here to this army. I, I, I may, I may be happy that I restarted him again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know the only the, the army only saw one new model uh, for the release. You know, not can, not not counting the terrain piece actually, uh, which you know while not you know unusually, you know, it wasn't very. Uh, I guess you should say it wasn't terribly encouraging. I mean, what were your first thoughts when you first saw the book? And I know we've kind of talked about this at War Meets and kind of all that stuff. But I mean, what what were some of your thoughts when you first opened up the book and you kind of were like, okay, this this might be something I want to get into. Uh, well, I already knew I was into it. <laughs> oh, so uh, no, when I when I when I first looked into it, I, it was nice to see some decent battalions, uh, especially where you can. Uh, like, what is the one? The Gormand is the oh, one yeah. I, I, I'm favorite of, and the, mm-hmm. like the Butcher's Band is the other one where it's pretty much just Iron Guts, Gluttons, and uh, Lead Belchers. Yeah, because um, I mean that's that's always where I was leaning towards with uh, mm-hmm. with the army. Um, and it was nice to see uh, the Knoblars get a nice little battalion. 
Hey. But what I what I was really hoping to see was more of uh, getting the artillery a better war scroll because that that iron blaster and the scrap launcher those are sweet models but they they never see any table time. Yeah, you know I think I think the only time like I I play I play my scrap launchers quite a bit in the junk mob battalion but that's but you know here's the funny thing with that junk mob you know you're only going to add one to the attack characteristic uh, for piles of old scrap used by nobbler scrap launchers from this battalion while they are within three inches. I just read that right off of the junk mob so I I made sure I had that clear to everybody. That's not that great, but but no, but not. before we really get into you know slicing the onion layer back on this, you know I kind of want to go back and say that you know uh, at first when I was presented when I was presented with the Maw Tribe as a new army, I fell into the trap of immediately being discontented with it, you know. I, and I love how you and I are different, you know, in that regard, Nick. Like you went at it from a positive attitude, I went at it kind of being like, well, at least the damn iron guts are threes to hit now. But I was <laughs> I was I was I was I was very I was a very negative Nancy about the whole thing. And um, what what kind of rearranged my thought a little bit, a little bit more positive, uh, was was a guy that I think was more negative than myself. And if you ever get a chance to watch it, Haywo uh, Twitch uh, or whatever the guy's name is, Haywo something or other, uh, did a battle tome review. Uh, and at the time, he was really salty about the army and the many disconnects the battle tome had in it, many of which uh, I agreed with him on, but he was so salty and so negative towards it that I kind of like found myself defending the ogres. And that's kind of how I knew that that was an army that, uh, that I definitely wanted to, uh, definitely wanted to play. So, so that was kind of my, uh, evolution into the Maw tribes coming from Beast Claw Raiders. Um, but my, but my early agreeance, well, go ahead, sorry, what you saying? Go well, ahead. Well, you, you, you were a Beast Claw player when they mm-hmm. had their own tome. That's right. right. Yep. So, so how, how, what what did you think? How how did they get treated between the old tome versus the new tome? Because I never saw them really with the old tome. Okay, I, I'm going to say it right now. I mean, uh, from from coming from that standpoint, my my agreeance with the saltiness was, I was all in with the beast claws. Right, that was my army, and their previous standalone battle tome I thought was was pretty darn good. Um, and to answer your question, I really didn't care for the fact that it seemed that the beast claw raiders were more of an afterthought in the Maw Tribes book. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I kind of felt that um, they took quite a, a back seat to the gut busters. And, and, in, and in many ways, I still feel that way. Um, I mean, I, and, and I was I was also a little salty because I still can't figure out why they killed off Bragoth. I mean, I thought that that was one of the better battalions we ever had, even though we had to team up with the with the the orcs. But um, uh, yeah, so I was a little I was a little salty at that regard because I do love my big stompy monsters, and I, I feel that um, uh, that you know outside of uh, of taking you know say like Boulderhead, which is really the only good Maw tribe in the the Beast Claw Raiders. Uh, battle tome, you know the gutbusters at least had had two that they could they could choose from, right? You had you had underguts and blood gullet that you could that you uh, could work with, right? Right, and the meat fist. I mean, I gotta tell you, meat fist has come in handy in smaller games for me because um, th- there's really if you're only gonna take one butcher and like let's say you're playing a thousand point game, you're taking one butcher and you want to do an, uh, a blood gullet. Well, you're kind of wasting most of it with the with the extra spell on the one butcher. That's true. But, but, okay. But, but if you're playing a meat fist and you get the, uh, I think it's one extra dice for each trampling charge, and uh, I forget the uh, the artifact for, but it also comes in handy on that time. Is it a plus one save or something artifact? I don't remember. Oh, you're talking but, about the gut plate of Gur. You can reroll yeah, save yeah, rolls of one. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you combine that with the big name, giving him the plus one save. So he's he's saving on a three plus, rerolling ones. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, I mean, and and a small thousand point game. That's all you got really is you got some gluttons and a tyrant or something. Yeah, it uh, it gives it some staying power. You know, and and, and again, um, I, I like again, you know, folks. This is Nick, man. He he's got a, he's got the best positive mental attitude in the game because everyone mother f's. Uh, meat fist. Everybody does. I know, and, and I don't understand why they did to begin with. But yeah, I couldn't. I did not understand that. Okay, <laughs> so 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 give, give us a quick five minute little or two minute even little little popper. Okay, what size games do you play it at, and 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 what kind of successes have you had? Uh, well, I've only played a handful of the thousand point games. Usually, when it's a two v two, so I'm only only working on one side of the board. But okay. no, if I'm playing a two k game. Uh, I'm definitely going with the blood gullet because, uh, well, I mean, personally, I play bigger blocks of gluttons and the blood gullet lets me get off enough spells to oh, yeah. get them nicely, nicely buffed up. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you play, usually play, well, even, even in larger, I think this might work out pretty well. And we're going to look at a list here similar to that here in a little bit. Uh, like if you go with like double, like if you go with two units of 12, uh, gluttons, I guess maybe meat fist might have, might be pretty good in, in some, some lineups against some armies, right? Yeah, in, in in some scenarios, yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree. But yeah, I, I think the 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 blood gullet is 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 more of your uh, your catch all. I think. Yeah, and I think I think for me, for for my coming out from my beast claw side of it, you know, until the thunder tusks, until especially specifically the the the, the husker on a thunder tusk and everything got a points decrease. Um, Winterbite wasn't even really a thought. Winterbite was kind of a joke. I still think Thunderbellies is is needs a lot of work. I mean, I love my I love my Mornfang, but. Uh, uh, but Winterbite wasn't really even playable as a Maw Tribe until really the Thunder Tusks got a reduction. Um, so for a long time, it was just really Boulderhead uh, that we that we really had to play with. But there were some positives. So let, let's get off on it. Let's let's. I'm going to be more like you, Nick. I'm going to be more of a of a positive mental attitude type of person. <laughs> there you and, go. And, and and Justin is back here just going. I'm just glad you're not talking about all the times I took I took a beating by you guys. Actually, Justin, it wasn't that bad, was it? No, no. I mean, I can handle an ogre army with the right list. I mean, I've, I've got the capabilities and the skill set to do it, but you know, you have to say that the ogres have some of the best point per point monsters in the actual game right now. Stone with their, horns, baby. The, the stone horns and things of that matter. I mean, point cost wise, they're, they're very relevant. They hit like effing trucks when they get to you. And unless you have a defense line, they can take that kind of beating they're just going to plow through you. Well, they're pound for pound one of the better monsters in the game. Yeah, I always say three things. Don't ever leave home without your 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 uh, your your stone horns, your iron guts, or your nobblers. Um, <laughs> all right, so so let's let's keep you going without Look. the nobblers. But hey, hey, you know, greatest unit in the game, right, Nick? Uh, sure. <laughs> oh, did you see that delay, Nick? You really let me down there, man. I mean, you could have. Hey, Hey, before before the book came out, I was all on board with the Noblars. They had a great spot in my list, but unfortunately, they have been on the shelf quite some time. You watch your mouth. I can't believe you would even do that. <laughs> you know what's funny is everybody poo-poo's on like horde model, horde units. And you said you said I'm horde, gonna, didn't you? I did say horde, okay. not horror. But I have to say the Noblars, point for point, are probably one of the best horde units that this game has. Yeah, simply simply because they can flood a field and there's nothing you can do to get them off an objective because they can become resistant to everything yeah yeah that's pretty true that's pretty true but let's 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 take a let's and take i a... know i have fought against it so i know well, and we're going to talk about that little game there man remember the nobbler 300 this is one of justin's uh, having like nom flashbacks 
Um, actually, you know, let's let's take a let's take a step sideways and talk about some of the innate things. Uh, the first thing that I thought that the Maw tribes did really well, and it still stands a test of time today, was might makes right, and, and I love that. Although I I do think the idea of wounds remaining uh, as a method of holding objectives is better. But that's mm-hmm. just me. So, hey, GW, if you're out there listening, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Wounds remaining, huh? Maybe. Okay. Um, but possibly this, pass it on to all bigger monsters. That would be fantastic. But, uh, th- but, this, but this might makes right is a great step in the right direction. And I think it really is what started the whole landslide of what we're seeing now. I mean, before Seraphon had it, before, you know, uh, uh, Sons of Behemoth had it. Um, you know, heck, even even before the, uh, the 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 big dummy on the cabbage uh, for for the orc warclans, before mm-hmm. the, before he had that, you know, we had this first, and I think that was the thing that really separated ogres from other armies and solved that low model count. Um, and I think the I think the uh, originality of might makes right, plus the fact that I can think of it more of a uh, of a of an efficient counting system that the ogres count double or or ten if they are our monsters like the Stonehorn and the Thunder Tusk mm. when controlling an objective rather than the calculative wounds reduced method. Um, you know, so I guess, I guess there was an argument there for that is why I brought that up. And, um, it, but, but you know, it, it makes the army much more competitive, especially in an objective based game. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not going to leave home without it. That's for sure. No, absolutely. It, it, it's definitely a, uh, a, a staple for, for the, for the low count low model count armies yeah i mean especially i mean let's say if you have people out there that that uh that that don't like taking nobblers um you know you let's say you have those those weird sons of bitches uh but um yeah you're i mean you have to be able to account for something uh you know especially if you're going to run like you know you see those people that run those units of small units of three ogre gluttons with the uh, the iron fist and they just want to plop them on an, on an objective and hopefully they can hold something off long enough to get those sixes to to uh to 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 do mortal wounds um, yeah. you know, you, you're going to need that because a lot mm-hmm. of times that might makes right comes in, in those kinds of situations. Um, I, I think they, they, I, the only way we could have done without something like that was to get more, uh, of an armor save where I guess represented by their fat or something because a five up save on the gluttons oh. doesn't get you too far. You know what? Um, it doesn't get you too far in any army. No, no, but, but, but you don't have a whole, not lot in this day and age, with, you know? No, you, you know, and that's a great point that you brought that up, Nick, because, yeah, you would think, too, that, that Ogre Gluttons would not only have a better save because, you know, of, of, of all the blubber on them, but, but they would have rent. I mean, you got this 900-pound, oh, 10-foot-tall, yeah, no you know, he, he, he just hits you with a tree trunk, and there's no rent. Like, I don't get that. Yeah, I, I, well, they got, I got four wounds apiece. Yeah, Is it if, three or four? If, if, if they had rent, it would four. be a little bit too much. Okay. So, so I well, mean, they're 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 on par with light kings in terms of wounds. It's just, but they just don't, don't have the armor. Don't forget the gluttons used to hit on fours as well. Yeah, they got right. the, everything got dropped down to hit. Yeah, that's three. true. So yeah, yeah, got that's far true. more offensive as well, and the, and they got their gluttonous bites. And they finally got which, their bites, which, which comes in handy quite often when you need an extra wound in there. You know? Yeah, and you know what? You know what? I also like to remind people too that the Maw tribes gave us the gave us the concept of monsters as battle line first. You know, that, that's another first that the Maw right. gave us, you know, so um, I, you know, I, there's a lot of things about this army that I think, I, and this is why I'm getting into this point here, guys, is I think the reason why this army still stands a test of time and is still is pretty competitive in any combination that you have, and we're going to, again, we're going to look at a couple of those here shortly, is they have all these innate little rules. 
like like mm-hmm. just or like like Nick, you were just saying they added in the bite. Um, that maybe they, maybe it's the fact they have four wounds. But how about this one? Uh, the the movement shenanigans that are brought by uh, ravenous uh, brutes. You know, I love that concept. You know, if they're if they're hungry, they're getting extra extra movement. And so if, if they're in close combat or within three inches, uh, you know, then, then, then they're eating. So they get extra bravery. Um, I, I think that that's, I think that those little innate things in the right hands with the right player is really what causes this army uh, to be in the top 10. And, and, and Nick, I don't think you were on the show when we were talking about this, but Best Coast Pairings came out and they, they were, they had the, the Maw Tribe recently and back as far as back in March, they were top 10 uh, in, in recent, um, recent wins uh, at, at GTs. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that for sure. Yeah, so I, I think, and you know, and not, not to not to forget about my my beloved uh, Beast Claws, but I mean, they have grasp of the Everwinter. Now, I will say that the old rule was garbage. The old I'm talking about going back to the to the uh, Beast Claw Raider Battle Tome prior to the Maw Tribes. Uh, the update to grasp of the Everwinter is better, sort of, because it, it it is a late game ability that that may or may not pay off, but. Uh, on the other hand, it, it could cause your opponent, and I've seen this happen in game, to stay out of that three-inch bubble, if you will. You know, so I think that there's some definite um, uh, pieces there that I think are pretty good. But I mean, uh, Nick, what are some other things that you that you found success with recently with your uh, with your army? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, my army doesn't change a whole lot. My, uh, but, uh, you know what I'd like to see get a little rework is the fire belly. Cause I got a, I think that's a pretty sweet looking model. Oh yeah. It's just hard to find a spot for that in any kind of list. Cause I mean, it, it, it helps. I, I would like to see, uh, maybe that billowing ash skill, um, maybe a little bit wider or something. Cause, cause the, uh, they definitely need some, uh, protection against shooting because uh you can get shot right off the table yeah uh, you know that's that's a that's a good that's a good way because right now i think i think the uh you're talking about the cascading fire cloak or you're talking oh you're talking about just a regular fire breath right no six inches billowing ash it's a spell Mm. Um, oh yeah i I, I don't remember exactly what it is off i think it's minus one to hit yeah within 18 inches or something right right so yeah, I, I you know I, I, there's a lot about the the the, the ogre maw tribe spells. I think that have to be updated. I think I think the rolling for sevens on everything is a little clunky. I think that uh, yeah. that you know Vegas style. Hey, guess what? You just lost type of rolling. Like having uh, uh, having so many spells uh, specifically towards monsters, and that that's because I mean that, that kind of takes two spells away from you. True. Uh, if you're not if you're not playing any monsters, then it doesn't make any sense. Right. Right. You know, it's funny. Let, let's start, let's start talking about lists. Now that we're getting into this, let's kind of jump ahead here because, you know, and again, I'm not doing this because I'm, I'm in love with novelers, but I think there's a lot of lists out there that, that, you know, when you talk about utility units and, and I think Justin, you made this point, um, right. and I'm going to throw a little list up here. Uh, that's, that's of my own that really kind of shows, uh, you know, what novelers are, are capable of doing. Um, and, and I think that's where, you know, if you look at having, say, a unit of nobblers. Now, 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 Nick, I know that you even you yourself even run nobblers in in your list as far as charge blockers, uh, objective holders. You know, uh, maybe holding up that enemy unit that you want to held up for a turn. You use them for those kinds of things, right? Yeah, they're definitely an excellent screen. So, I have a list that, a that bloody tar pit is what they are. Well, you know what's <laughs> funny is, and I got to admit something here to you, Nick. I actually developed the list that I have up on the screen right now off of a couple of games watching you play at some of our war meets. Um, And I kind of, I kind of gave it my own twist, but um, I'm running obviously a a tyrant slaughter master and a fire belly. 
By the way, I do agree with you on the fire bellies uh, spell. I, I do. Um, but I'm also running 12 uh, ogre uh, gluttons with uh, with with um, double double hand weapons, uh, four iron guts, four lead belchers, and 60 nobblers because you know if you hey, look, man, you got to represent the best unit in the game on the table with as much as you can pack in there. Um, and uh, three iron blasters. Now the funny thing about iron blasters is they're in that really funny place for me. But being a, a Beast Claw Raiders player also, I kind of use Iron Blasters in the same way that I use my Beast, my, my beast of Chaos Chariots. In that, um, it, you know, if I can't use them for what they're meant for, you know, shooting things and what, I'll use them as a charge blocker. I'll use them as a choke point on the board. I'll use them as uh, just, a, you know, if I can put Blubber Grub uh, stench on them and, uh, and, and ram them into an enemy unit or something like that, I'm going to try to do that. So I think there's a couple of things that, that can be done. But I, I, I kind of built this list really off of seeing you play, Nick. I mean, what are some, what are some ways that, that you, and I guess what I call this list here that I'm showing is more of your offensive meets defensive type of, type of list. I mean, do you, do you have balanced lists like that as well? Uh, not that balanced because that is that 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 it sounds like a real nicely balanced list, um, oh. especially especially using those chariots it, it, the, or the iron blasters. Uh, if you, it, you can't just use them as a gun, you got to use them as a chariot with, yeah. with 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 the bonus of having a gun on it. You know, because if you're just gonna rely on those shots, then that, that that's nothing. But right, but yeah, you got you got a nice big block of sixty noblars. You don't really have to worry about uh, keeping anything else at home. That's true. You got a home home objective, so you got nice n- nice flank. Uh, Flank coverage. You got a nice offense with the gluttons and the 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 iron guts, and you got the knoblars to sit at home or uh, do do as they please. So yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, it, it the the, uh, the and again, I I got I got to kind of tip my hat to you as far as you know seeing seeing how you played a lot of your gut busters. This was one of my very first lists I ever put together that kind of stepped outside of my beast claw raiders. Um, you know, kind of a kind of a, a way of, of of doing things because I I think too you know. And again, I'll say it again and again. I think that this Ogre Maw Tribes as an army has great depth to it, right? I think is is the best way to put it. But also, there's a lot of things that you can do to be effective with this army. Hence why I think the proof is in the pudding. You see a lot of these, i.e. the Best Coast Pairings uh, um, article that I was telling you guys about has them in the top 10. Now, here's a book from 2019, November, I think it was, of 2019. Mm -hmm. And here they are still pacing in the top 10. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, without any any side updates or extra new battalions or anything like that. Nope, nope. But you know what? And it's because of one thing here: the greatest unit in the game. I'm going to talk about this. Yeah, sure. No, uh, all joking aside, I actually run this army, and guys, I know that you both have seen it. I actually mm-hmm. have the famous Nobbler 300. Although, of course, uh, with the recent updates in the FAQ that came out, I believe over last summer, where we were no longer allowed to have uh, uh, the the fungoid cave shaman, I had to switch it up here a little bit. So. Um, this particular list is uh, is Nice Brow Hunter, Tyrant Butcher, and I got uh, four, a, three units of Frost Sabers, a unit of four, two units of two, and I got the famous Nobbler 300, baby. Five units of 60 Nobblers. And uh, and, and uh, I think you both have seen this army, haven't you? I hate that army. <laughs> I have not had the pleasure of playing against it. I would like to, but I'll tell you what, yeah, I, I, I don't really know how to beat that. It, it, it's... Uh... <laughs> Well, I got I, I got to tell you, it, it's really kind of a it's it's really kind of a dirty trick type of an army. See, what happens is the Icebrow Hunter has the Winter Ranger uh, 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 command trait. So what I do is I keep him off the board um, for one or two rounds, collecting D3 command points. Uh, the Tyrant, all he's going to do is he's going to use his uh, his ability to run around and and do mortal wounds. And what you do is when you set him up. 
and I got pictures I can show you this. Uh, you, you set up the tyrant. Here, I'll just I'll just throw pictures up there. There you go. Um, so there's there's some pictures of the whole army right there. But what I do with this army is I as I use the tyrant and his ability to basically do mortal wounds, or as I call it, slap all the nobblers on the ass. So that basically what happens is now that that 57 or 58 you know a strong unit after the the nobblers take a take a mortal wound, they no longer have to take battle shock. Yep. And I literally run them up the board to occupy whatever objective that they can take. Uh, from there, uh, once once that happens, once I've literally collected all of my command points and I have everything I need, um, that's when the Icebrow Hunter comes onto the board with um, with possibly one unit of cats. The other unit of cats, usually the, uh, the, the two smaller units of cats are for choke points or charge blockers. They're going to evaporate, but it's still going to slow you up for uh, a round to, uh, to, to prevent you from getting those 300 nobblers off of those objectives. Um, and then, of course, I always, you know, throw in the dirty, uh, the, 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 the extra command point. Uh, and then, of course, suffocating Gravetide, because if my butcher can possibly get that off right around, like, you know, say the first round, first battle round or second battle round, that can also hold up some, some enemy units. So um, the trick about this army, though, this particular one, is I have to, I, I practiced it so much because you don't want to be accused of slow playing. I've got movement trays for the nobblers. So I can generally get this whole, I can get everything done that I need to get done in about 12 and a half minutes per side. So that's cooking, that's moving. But again, there isn't much to it. After that, I'm just sitting around like a lump. Yeah, there's nothing to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It, it, as, as being the one who's actually gotten hit by this thing, uh, yeah, it's Tar Pit City. All right. And I mean, I, I went after that army with my Greywater Fastness, and that list dumps shots. Yeah. I mean, I was wiping 60-man Noblar units off the table with a round of shooting, but there was another one, yep. and then another one. And by the time you clear an objective, he's got another unit sitting right behind it to take it over again. So there was nothing you could do unless you tried to hunt his characters, but if he gets off any of those abilities that makes him you know, immune to battle shock and right. anything like that before he does it, it doesn't matter how many Noblars you kill. Because he's, he's just going to keep those objectives for, for four turns, three turns, whatever it takes, and that's it. It's done. You know what? You know what? We're going to do this. Uh, Nick, I'm going to ne- – next war meet, I'll bring the Nobbler 300, and you got to play the army. I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, 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 have you have you played any – it would have to be a glass cannon kind of kind of army to, to play against. Or some, someone that just can sit back and just throw offense at you without touching you. You know what? I've I've played I've played pretty much every army there is out there, and uh, mm. the army doesn't lose. Now again, you know I it, it I don't want to get into that, but I mean you know it it you know what it is. It, I bring it out very few and far between because it's it's a tough army to to, to um, uh, bring around. Speaking of which, you know here here it is, the Iron Jawed Rat Bastard. He says that I'm the Toilet King, and I want to get into that. Let's get into the creativity of some of these models. Can I do this? And then we're gonna get back to the uh, to the uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, because, here's the my maw pot with the Nobbler army. My maw pot is a 3D printed toilet. Right, I mean that that just that just fits. But here here's a picture up here. This is my this is my uh, my nobbler is my uh, my converted tyrant. Um, that's that's who uh, that's who that is. And uh, I actually have him on the right size base. This next uh, picture up here is my uh, uh, converted um, hunter. Now the story behind this is a bunch of nobblers went out and they stole a uh, uh, a mornfang, and um, and became hunters. So they they all got their little spears and they're hunters. And then of course. Uh, Here's my favorite one. This is my uh, this is my my slaughtermaster. I actually named this guy. This is uh, this is Ploppet the wizard. You know that that's he's a he's a. See what do you think? 
And, uh, and you notice there, his, 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 little, uh, his little pot there, like all Slaughtermasters have, is a toilet. Pretty clever, huh? <laughs> hey, this is my moment. I get to talk about novels. But here's, but, yes, it is. <laughs> Nick, what do you think, man? It's a good way to cast spells. But here's the, but here's the thing. This is this is the secret sauce of this Nobbler army. In you know you know you know slaughtermasters just like the ball pot. They got to put stuff in it, right? Here it is. Look at that. Oh lord. I actually, I mean, look at that. There's a perfectly perfectly detailed. Huh? What do you think? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what other army do you know of? Huh? What other army do you know of that's actually going to have a fully modeled turd in the toilet? Huh? Mm, only maybe, you. Maybe only a Nurgle you. somewhere, I guess. Yeah, maybe Nurgle. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, folks, I've I've absolutely stunned both of these guys, and and both they're both wondering why they're even friends with me at this point. But I mean, come on, Nick, you you can see the validity wow. in this creativity of this army, right? I because hey, I, I can't. Go ahead. I, I I always give credit to creativity. I'm not a creative guy, so anything oh. anything like that is okay in my book. Folks, I'm just telling you. Now, now, here's the thing. I think, I think, as far as the turd goes, either one of these guys could have easily painted the peanuts or the corn or the, even the bubble gum in that turd. You know, I don't have that kind of talent. These guys are fantastic artists. I mean, let's face it. You know, Justin, Nick, you, you guys easily could have painted the corn and bubble gum and you know peanuts in that turd, right? Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, Can't moving think of on. Anything about the paint. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for indulging me in my little, uh, my little, my little show and tell of my my my, my ogre army. But um, you know, and, and and let's go back to this. I mean, in all fairness, and all, not all fairness, all all, uh, all all normal thinking now. Um, the model line, if you think about it, in the ogre maw tribes, is a very limited model line for for the book. That it really has, like we just showed everybody, so many mm -hmm. different options going from, you know, warlord traits to artifacts to spells. And it's really more than most books get. I even think at this time, I mean, maybe there's a couple out there that, that beat them, but I think for the most time, this book really still holds a lot of testament to that. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I, mean, I think more than most, and I'll say it again, um, you know, th this book gets and, and lets you play the army in a lot of different ways. Even if you, you only have a couple of models to choose from. And, and for the record, you know, going into this book, I wasn't sure what to expect. But now that here we are, you know, over you know over a year later, uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty ecstatic. But you know where I stand on this one, Nick. So how would you rate the Beast Claw Raiders subfaction and its viability? I mean, you've seen it from the outside. I know where you stand on the Gutbusters. I want I want to get I want to see I want I want you to get into detail with that here in a minute. But how would you rate the Beast Claw Raiders subfaction and its viability? Uh, boy, I I give it a four out of five. I guess they got the they got such mobility and they hit like trucks. Um, mm -hmm. they can really do a lot that the gut busters can't do. I guess. Yeah. So well, um, it, 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 it's just a completely different play style than if you're going to go completely gut busters. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's absolutely viable. Yeah, I, I well, I, again, I'm going to agree with you. But you know, I want to say this, and then I'm going to give my comment on gut busters, and then hear what you have to say. Uh, and then Justin, please, you know, j jump in any time, buddy. We're not we're not leaving you out either. But oh no, no, you're not. I I mean, I was gonna say I would probably give them a four or five for viability. Okay. The the you know they they've got the, some of the strongest monsters in there. They've got the speed and everything else. Yeah. The thing that doesn't give them a five of five is the point cost per model and the limitation of the army size. You know, for the oh. amount of hit they do, they just they they don't have the amount of models on the table. I mean. Yeah. You look at you look at Sons of Behemoth, which are 
you know, our, our favorite friend here, Mr. Iron Jaws here runs six models right. in his and the point cost there doesn't allow him to do anything more than that unless he chose to only run one mega, yeah. but they, but they hit hard enough to where six models feel like a hundred. Right. Y- you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ogres, I mean, ogres, they don't have that in the ogres. No, they don't. But, you know, as I said earlier, I, I was a Beast Claw Raiders player before uh, with, with, the, with the older Battle Tome. And the Beast Claw Raiders are, are as I said, now just sub-faction to the Maw Tribes. So they get semi-merged with the Ogres on foot. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think um, the reason why I, I would agree with you guys that this that this Beast Claws is probably about a 4 out of 5 is for the practical reasons as well. I think I think they get a lesser score, Justin, because they're magic they, or lack thereof. Right. But I, I think the ogres suffer from that. I think the seven to cast every damn spell in the book, besides like one, I think I think uh, uh, blubbergub stench is uh, a five or something. But I, I'm I'm sidebarring right now. But I think their start collecting box is one of the best values out there for for what you can get in it. And I'm talking about the the beast claw raiders start get started box. Um, incidentally, that reminds me, uh, I, I do want to ask you one question here, uh, Nick, and then Justin, I want to hear your point. What are your thoughts on Mornfang? I mean, do, do you like him? Do you? Because I, I, I thought I've seen you run Mornfang, Nick. Right? Uh, no, no. I, I you know, I, I picked him up back in uh, Eighth Edition Fantasy. Tried to give uh, my high elf guy some, some something to, to run away from. But sure. uh, no, I, I, you know, and I'd really like to see something like that, um, and maybe in, in, a, in a revised uh, Maw Tribe book where you could put, uh, mix Mornfang and other uh, mix them together, kind of like a big Y. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. All right. Well, I like it. I mean, Justin, what are your thoughts? Mornfang. I think the, I think the Mornfang Cavalry are they're they're a great looking model. I mean, I, as far as you can say with the Ogres, considering most of their models are dated by at this state this pr- production oh, base. But I, I would, yeah, they're dated, but I still think they're exquisite. I think they're great. But they're they're great looking models. They're I just wish they were a little less costed so that you know you weren't running them in twos. You know, yeah, I, I think I, I I think that. I think as a cavalry unit in general, if you're going to run something that's a big base cavalry, kind of like that is they need to be threes, you know, because you would always have your standard bearer. You'd always have your champion and your musician or something of that type, or even maybe point costing them to run them in fours as a baseline. Okay. You know, just because that cavalry in general, usually you see them in threes to fives and that's just across the board. And when you get this oddball two, it, it kind of reminds me a lot of like the Stormcast Eternal Dragon, the Dragon Riders, you know, and things of that matter. And it's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Well, they, they kind of have that in the, in the Ogre Maw Tribes, Lead Belchers. They're right. automatically two. You know, if you want to right. battle, that, that doesn't four. that doesn't make sense to me either. Okay, I mean, it, you, you know. Well, see, see, it would make more sense if the if um, you know what they should do is is maybe take the Yetis and make them into more of a uh, a unit that you would want to have twelve of. On right. the board. Yeah. So then you could use a unit of two Mornfang as a flank blocker or, uh, you know, a tie-up unit if you have other larger units on the board. It's just the unit the unit size and unit strength is a little off-putting to me in certain ways on, when it comes to the Ogres in general. Yeah. Well, okay. So so before I before I give you my, 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 my thoughts on the Gut Busters and their viability, which I've got some pretty good ones, uh, Let's let's talk about one thing that we kind of sidebarred when we talked about the Iron Blaster. I mean, scrap launchers. Mm-hmm. I actually use the scrap launchers as really. I think I think it's one of the better horde control models in the game. But I find that it's it's. And I know a lot of people will say that I think pound for pound, I, I do think it's better than an Iron Blaster. I'm talking about the scrap launcher here, uh, Nick. But 
I always find myself using both of those those models interchangeably for the same purpose. In the very end, it's either a choke point or holding up a unit or uh, charging them into something that I want to hold up for a round or two. Uh, thoughts on, on the scrap launcher? Because we, we kind of left that one out there when we were talking about iron blasters. I think they're in the same boat as the iron blaster, quite honestly. I, I, I don't think you want to use them solely as artillery. I think you want to use them more as a chariot with with the bonus of being artillery as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose I suppose in a junk mob though, because you got all them knoblars, it, it, it might be sitting back a little bit farther. But yeah, you're 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 absolutely right on about horde control. I mean, if you, if you want to bring some horde control, that uh, that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. So here's my thoughts on the gutbusters. Uh, my viability, I'm going to say that they're that they are definitely um, four out of five, for sure. Uh, and that's because of the maw pot. Because the maw pot to a Beast Claw Raiders army is about as useful as screen doors on a submarine. Because the maw pot, I mean, honestly, the, 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 there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that a Beast Claw Raiders army is going to do with a maw pot. It just doesn't make any sense, it, it, you know, from a lore wise. But the maw pot is a good place to start when I want to talk about being positive with the gut busters. So let, let's start there uh, and, and, and talk about that. I mean, the army should include a, a maw pot based, you know, because it's free period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does give a decent benefit in terms of helping you cast and heal. Uh, and again, Beast Claw Raiders have no mages at all, period. They have no wizards. So that's a part where it's worthless, but it's great for the for the guts, gut busters. Uh, and you can also use it to block lanes and potentially create some choke points, like I've been saying the whole time here. And it can help you down the road in later later games. So I think I think that standpoint right there, I think that's and, and and Nick, this is what I was saying earlier. That's why I always felt that the Beast Claw Raiders were kind of like a, like a like took they took a back seat in 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 the in the in the same battle tome to the Gutbusters, and it started yes. with the Maw Pot because they definitely took they definitely got the shaft on the Maw Pot. Right? So, I think that's definitely a good place to good place to start, and I really think the Gutbusters have come a long way. Specifically, second to my point is the Blood Gullet Maw Tribe. I personally think that that is the best. Maw Tribe in the entire book. I think a close second is obviously Boulderhead, but I think Blood Gullet by and far is the best one. I think it's got the most versatility uh, to build your lists from. I mean, what are your thoughts on the Gutbusters and what I just said? Uh, well, yeah, I think I think you hit it on the head there. Um, but the Blood Gullet is definitely the most versatile. Well, you definitely want to bring your uh, bring spells with you. Oh yeah. Um, and then they got what's their command? Of, the, the command ability is uh, the Bloodbath. Yeah, the the reroll wounds. So yeah, yeah, you put that on. You put that on over gluttons. um, And I mean, yeah, yeah, and and that's that's a that's a that's um that can affect more than one unit too because that's like an that's a that's an aura, right? Yeah, it is. It's yeah, so it's definitely. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. You have to pick one friendly. I'm sorry. You have to pick one friendly. Ogre, 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 glutton. I'm thinking of something else. But yeah, no, it uh, that reroll wounds definitely comes in handy. Right. Oh no, I'm sorry about that. I'm completely wrong. I'm completely wrong, and this is because I'm a Beast Claw Raiders player. No, no, the command ability specifically states you have to pick one friendly Blood Gullet Butcher. Until oh, the end of that right. phase, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Blood Gullet Ogre Gluttons that are wholly right, within right. 12 inches. So you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, if you get two two units of 12 real close to the to your to your slaughtermaster or butcher or whatever you got coming up the front there with them. Uh, yeah, that could be devastating. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, it really could be. Mm. I mean, 
do you find yourself using blood gullet more than more than any of the other? I mean, in your in your gut buster list? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and another one that I think has really come on strong here as of late is underguts. Uh, you know, I, I I haven't seen it on the table in action at all, but okay. uh, I I wouldn't mind ma- making a a list with them because uh, lead belchers, um, the, the, uh, their war scroll is quite nice. They got a little extra rend in there. Yeah, and I mean they're pretty much just just as strong as gluttons, and they got a little bit of range. You know, I think they've got one less attack or something. Well, yeah, they got they got they got two attacks, threes by threes. They obviously got their bites because they're an ogre. Um, they got four wounds, but you know, here's the interesting thing about it is in cl- in close combat, not only they're going to shoot you in in the shooting phase, but in close combat, they're going to beat the hell out of you with with a cannon. And yeah, <laughs> they, they they got negative one rend damage too. So I think they're in that sweet spot um, as far as that, you know. That, that's... That's their melee profile with a negative one rend, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 It's, it's that, bludgeoning that's blow. Needed, that's bludgeoning a much blow. needed rend. Yeah. So, so I, mean, I would say if you had a, a, an army ma- mainly with uh, with lead belchers under under the underguts, I think you might have something going. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because um, I, I'm liking underguts a little bit more these days only because I'm seeing that the – well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, you, you know that uh, Grimdark Live broke first and some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff that's happening with Age of Sigmar 3.0 and that we're going to be getting a smaller table size. We're going to be 44 by 60 a la 40K, just like 40K. Right. I think I think uh, personally that um, the Underguts Maw Tribe is going to play very well into that because, you know, take take a look at what happened with 40K with the, with the Tau armies. They were shooting everyone off the board when everything was, you know, four by six. Well, they got shrunk. They couldn't fight worth a crap in close combat, and they got annihilated once the enemy got on top of them. That's not going to be the case with a bunch of ogres yeah, in, in an underguts right. maw tribe. No, no, sir. Yeah, you're not going to beat them in close combat. Either. So I, I think I think if I were you, I think my next army would be an underguts maw tribe leading into AOS 3.0 for sure because that small board size, let them come in and fight you. What are they, are they crazy? Right. Yeah, you so, got a point. So I got something there. I've got a quick question. Is there any of the factions or the allegiances in that the Ogre Mar tribes that allow you to combine the Beast Claw and the regular Ogres? Well, or do any of them actually synergize to where you can run both halves? Well, not at the moment. No, not. I mean, but the whole army synergizes fairly well. The Maw tribes synergize fairly well. But I mean, no. To answer your question nice, definitively, no, there is not. That's kind of okay. what I was saying. Where it'd be nice to have like a like a, a big wah equivalent with uh, where you. Could, I, I was just I was just I was just wondering because if yeah. there was if if the spells or anything like that actually could work with the beast claw because if that was the case then you know doing a battle line of gluttons or something of that matter and having mages behind them throwing spells on your on your big hefty uh, stone horns as they're charging across but if, if there's no kind of synergies like that then well there, there are synergies you know. as far as the spells but again it's always that parlor trick las vegas trick thing where you got to cast them like for instance you could take say a uh, a frost lord on a stone horn and put him in you know a blood gullet list let's just say and then hopefully your butcher or your slaughter master can get off the spell molten entrails which, you know, buffs the, the, the a Maw Tribe monster, you know. But again, you're casting it on a 7. So it, there, there, well, there's always there's, little... there's ways to get you there real quick, though. There, yeah. are a lot of, there are a lot of tricks and a lot of endless spells and combinations that can get you there real quick. Right. But to answer your, your question definitively, like, like, like uh, Nick was saying, no, there isn't. Uh, okay. But, you know, we're going uh, to be back looking at some lists. Hey gang, 
I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice, and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming, located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.gamestormgaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events. So get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, 630-243-9330. Again, that's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. Hey, you Grimdark goons, thank you so much for joining us on the show. But hey, if you're new to the Grimdark Live experience, please don't forget to subscribe, follow, and like our show. This way you'll always know when it's time for Grimdark Live. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for being back. We love all you dice-chucking, blue-sniffing gamer goons. Also, please recommend us to your friends, as Grimdark Live is a great show to get your nerd on every week. And if you like some after-ear action, give our podcast a listen after the live show. The podcast is typically published a couple of days after the live show. The link to the podcast is in the show notes below. And if you're already listening to our podcast, you rock, man. And if that ain't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. Again, that's grimdarklive.com. All right, now let's get back to the show. All right, man. We are definitely back, and we're going to continue our conversation with the uh, with the ogres. But uh, during the break, uh, Nick, you and I were kind of talking about uh, lists that that are are more uh, tribeless, right? When, I mean, we we kind of we kind of were talking a lot about uh, the different tribes, uh, but there are options to play this thing just straight ogres, right? Yeah, and I think if you wanted to mix uh, gutbusters and maw tribes, that would probably be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. And you know, here's a funny thing. We all we always forget too um, that you can also take trogoths as allies. Yeah. You know, I do forget about that, <laughs> you know, and, and here's the thing, you know, we talk about crowd control. I mean, in, in the ogre army going, and we're going to stick with, with this concept here of real quickly of going, um, you know, tribeless, you know, uh, you've got, uh, you've got thunder tusks. That'll give you the dirty snowball. You know, that's great crowd control. Um, you know, you've got uh, different builds as far as involving some of your, uh, your, your stone horns, as far as your stone horn beast riders or your, your frost lords on stone horn. And those things, of course, they hit harder than, than, a, than a Mack truck. But there's also the Trogoths. And I think oftentimes people forget that you can bring those in. And I think there's a good home in this list for Trogoths, whether it be the uh, uh, the Fellwater Trogoths or the um, the Stone Trolls. What help me out? All of a sudden, I drew a blank. The uh, the ones that throw rocks. Um, those guys. <laughs> I can't think of their name either. <laughs> yeah, oh, it just kind of. But but you know, what's that? Rock, rock gut. Rock gut. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, just like the whiskey I had the other night. Rock gut. Um, but you know, if you think about a list, a good list that I think would be, you know, you take the, you take the butcher's band battalion. Of course, that's going to lead you. Your, your general's going to be a butcher. You got a slaughtermaster, and you know what? I really like. What do you think of that that character Hrothgorn with his uh, man trappers? 
Uh, yeah, the, 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 that could be. Isn't that one where they uh, they can mess with the terrain too? Yep. Yeah, that is pretty neat. Yeah. Like um, the and then you know you you got to take your old gluttons. Maybe take two units of six, uh, big fat unit of, uh, of iron guts, and uh, you got your man trappers. And again, forty nobblers because you know you got to you got to be able to screen and block right. And uh, six fellwater trogoths. You could take that and you could wrap all that up in the butcher's band. And of course. Uh, Fellwaters, I know that they, I know that they, they kind of took a back seat to the rock guts, but they're great with their vomiting. They're great crowd control, and I think that's, yeah. um, you know, but I think there's, and that's what I love that you brought that up, Nick. I mean, you kind of talk a little bit about the, some of the benefits of going, um, you know, tribeless, I guess. Oh yeah, you could dig deeper into the command traits. Uh, I, I don't have my book in front of me. I can't lift them off right now. But I do know that uh, go, to picking the tribes, your command traits aren't really the best. Right. Um, that that blood gullet, is the, I believe the command trait is uh, the pile in, the extra Correct. pile in, which yeah. can come in handy. But you got you to gotta have the ty- or your general pretty close to uh, to whoever's piling in. That's true. But that, that, that could come in handy. But, but yeah, I, uh, that, that's, I, I would like to dig deeper into uh, trying tribalists lists yeah yeah I, you know and in and, and this particular one like if you go tribeless and let's say you were going to take the butcher's man battalion you know and take your butcher as a general right you throw the gastromancer as a command trait on him and, and what and this is this feeds back to your point nick is that uh the general knows all of the spells of the lore of gut magic so you know you, you it gives you a lot of uh flexibility in your casting now again casting isn't the best but you know what flexibility where you where you can get it right um, yeah, connection to a maw pot. I mean, that, that helps. That plus one to cast definitely helps. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, maw pot helps out the uh, uh, the, the the gut busters quite a bit. Yep. But let's yep. uh, let's talk about it. You know, some 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 average lists that I think are gonna uh, play out pretty well. I mean, you know, the army that I've got up here on the list. I mean, this is this is your basic list. And, and Nick, you're gonna kind of uh, see where I'm going with this. And this is your tyrant. You know, he's gonna be your general. And again, I, I you know, this is a uh, uh, this kind of it talks about what what you and I were um, leading in with, right? I mean, this is a uh, this is a this is a basic list that is that is that is tribeless, right? Yeah, I, I got to be careful with that because I always want to say brawless. <laughs> I, I really got to be careful with that. Um, you know, and and you're gonna be able to take iron guts and lead belchers as your battle line troops. You know, the tyrant's command ability can be used. You know, every turn. You know, just like I was explaining earlier with the nobblers, with uh, with a, a little luck. You know, you're gonna you're gonna heal them uh, back with the slaughtermaster when he reaches into his pot. Uh, it's about the only reason I take that guy. You know, Nick, that's about the only guy, the only time I think I could take him. What's that? With the, to, the slaughtermaster to, to healing? Yeah, for healing. Uh, that plus one to hit is invaluable. Yeah, I love the plus one to hit. Yeah. And um, though though letting an, an ogre run isn't necessarily a bad thing, uh, as it opens up your iron guts uh, special ability. So, you uh, uh, you know you, 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 your damage dealers though are, are really your your tyrants and your iron guts in this particular list. Uh, and with your last say forty points, if you want it, you can add an endless spell. Or uh, if you want, um, you know, since you have uh, more than a, than a few casters, you know, drop two lead belchers and add a couple more endless spells. So. That's what I mean, you know, as far as uh, flexibility of the of the list and as far as of what you can do with this army. And um, this particular list uh, that I'm showing up here, again, it's, it's two tyrants, two butchers, a slaughtermaster, uh, 12 ogre gluttons, um, 12 iron guts, and four lead belchers. Um, that particular list that I came up with, and again, guys, I'm not throwing in command traits. This is just, this is just us talking. It's all about magic and, and your iron guts. When I talk about, you know, trying to maximize what this army does poorly, which is magic, we want to try to see if we can't get the law of averages to help us out there a little bit. You know what I mean, Nick? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I really wish uh, the the gorgers fit nicely into a battalion somewhere. They because are. Yeah. For eighty for eighty points, um, you know, you can take two lead belchers or one gorger. Um, you know, and it, it, I think I'd like to take one gorger a, a lot of a lot of different uh, a lot of a lot of times because you got the deep strike ability. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, you could just use it as a, a flank blocker. But I think they're a little more versatile than the than the lead belcher. But uh, but they don't th- that extra drop. I don't know if it's worth it. You know, and, and that's the sad part about gorgers because yeah, you get the ambush ability with them, and I like that. But it does kind of seem to stop there. You know what I mean? And that's why I, yeah, that's I don't think it. you see gorgers in a lot of lists. And you know what's funny is I think gorgers kind of suffer from the same curse that yetis do. You know, um, yetis are you know okay you get an, you get an extra three inches on their piling. They got a six inch piling. That's great. But they got a six inch save. Or I mean a six plus save. That's yeah, not gonna get too far. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty terrible. I mean, if you if you really think about it. So I think that um, that both of those units maybe need another relook. Uh, hopefully in in AOS three point oh. You know, yeah, but be nice. but again, it's ogres. You know, they're not going to. Uh, you know, they're not going to do that. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'd, I'd settle for replacing some of this uh, resin, this fine cast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know about that. Um, so let's let's look at one more list here, because I know I know Nick, uh, you're kind of burning the candle at both at both ends here. But uh, you know, this is kind of a list that I've run uh, often. Now, uh, this is a concept, and, and this is an interesting army uh, that you're basically foregoing magic altogether, uh, which which is a complete opposite of what I just had up on the screen. And this this particular list here. And again, I keep forgetting that you can't see it up there, Nick. Uh, is a Frostlord on Stonehorn, a Huskerd on a Stonehorn, three Stonehorn Beast Riders, and three Iron Blasters. So basically, this is just, uh, you know, swinging for the fences, trying to knock your opponent out of there as fast as possible. That's why I kind of said this was interesting, because you're foregoing, uh, you know, magic all, all, all together. And it, and it does put you at the mercy of, say, Endless Spells or other mages, like, you know, hopefully you don't have to put up with a Zeech army. Um, oh. But I don't think it's a huge deal. It, 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 it does put you at the mercy of endless spells, like I said, and I, I, I think that I'm not trying to second guess, you know, armies out there like Zeech, but I, I'm not really that afraid of them because I played this army to great success against those type of armies. Um, I mean, you could easily switch out the Iron Blasters for a Butcher or Slaughtermaster, you know, should you choose to, but that's up to you. But I don't think it would fit quite the style of this type of, uh, of an army. Now, now, Nick, you've seen what a bunch of Stonehorns on a table could do, right? Yeah, that'll hurt you. It'll definitely hurt you. Um... And you know, I would I would play this style of army where your Stonehorn Beast Riders are going to push forward as fast as possible and claim center objectives. Um, you know, counting as ten models is pretty solid ability. And, and once they're sitting somewhere, they're they're going to be pretty darn hard to move off. You know, they got their they got their their save, they got their ward save, so they're not really going anywhere. Uh, you know, quickly I, I should say so. Uh, the Iron Blasters artillery pieces are great for holding down your objectives and for sniping your opponent's heroes if you can get those shots off. Again, like we talked about, Nick, you know, Iron Blasters aren't the aren't the best as far as uh, you know getting their shots yeah, off. But but it, but in a list like that, they definitely keep the opponent on their toes because that's that's a lot of speed that they gotta they gotta cover for. They, they can't just throw everything at those stone horns because those chariots will run right around them. You know what I mean? That's it. That's it. And even if they do get their shots off with D6 damage at negative two rend, all you need is one or or maybe two of their shots to hit and wound a a, a standard hero or monster, and you can definitely take them off the board or or you know knock them down to a a, a you know a manageable level on their damage table. So oh, yeah. I think I think that that this 
this list obviously is something where you just got to put it in fifth gear and floor it. And, and I think, um, and I think this is an option. You could replace the Huskard on Stonehorn with a Huskard on Thundertusk now as a, as a huge shooting support for your Stonehorns uh, or target your opponent's horde units. You could do that. I don't know that I would do that. I've never played it with this type of a list, but, um, and, and that's where the, the, again, going back to the, the, the Thundertusk, Huskard on a Thundertusk, uh, that's where the Frost Wreath Ice excels, uh, letting you roll, say, 12 dice and, and doing a mortal wound on a 4 plus against units of 20 or more. That's pretty darn good. So don't sell these guys short enough because you know, even losing one model greatly affects your chances to win. So you're going to have to play this list very smart. But I think if you get off on the right foot and you go after your, your opponent, um, I think you're going to be able to do uh, uh, some pretty great things on the table. And that's what I love about ogres. That's what I love about ogres is that, you know, even if you, what, if, when you do something great on the table, it's like fireworks going off. And that's what I love about them. So, <laughs> yeah, so, Nick, sure. so Nick, I know that, uh, that, that you only got a little bit more time here with us tonight. So give us your two cents in a tin can. I mean, g- give us some of the things that you really love about ogres. Give us some things that you've seen and experienced as being probably in our group, the, the guy that's got the most street cred with the ogres. Uh, well, yeah, you know what? Uh, I think first and foremost, what I like the most about them is they're easy to transport. You know, you can fit them all in a nice little box. I guess I can't say the same for Beast Claws because, uh, you know, they got those spindly tails and whatnot. But, yeah, uh, they're a lot of fun to paint, a lot of fun to uh, a lot of fun to play. Um, and you know what? It, even before they got their book, I thought they were strong. And, uh, yeah, the, getting their book definitely gave them uh, the, the edge that they need to be uh, competitive. Right. Uh, it, 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 it would it would be nice to see some of these other units though that don't see much table time get uh, a little bit of an upgrade, or just a, a, a reason to take them like gorgers or uh, yetis and stuff like that. Yeah, because I, I think you see a lot of the a lot of the same lists get repeated quite often. Yeah, that does happen. That does happen. But I mean, you know, the army itself. I mean, it's just a fun army to play. And like I said, when when things happen on the table, if they go your way. They're they're just absolutely dynamic, absolutely dynamic. What what are some what are some matchups for you with ogre maw tribes that you find difficult again to to, to play against? Uh, yeah, a lot of shooting is going to be tough. Um, and, and a lot of shooting and uh, you know a, a lot of speed would uh, would would be tough because especially um, for the gutbusters because uh, it, it it the gutbusters rely more on being. Um, synergistic and within uh, space so if i get hit on my flanks with my big uh, with my bigger blocks then that's going to split my army in two so the speed to, to wrap around like that would definitely be would hurt uh not to mention mortal wounds because uh, there is no mortal wound saving with uh with ogres that's true so uh, yeah and anything that's going to throw mortal wounds at a lot of mortal wounds and uh, a lot of shooting because uh the lookout knoblar helps but uh yeah that's about it yeah yeah right so yeah, so there's definitely good matchups though, um, and there's good and bad. That's for sure. That's for sure, man. That's for sure. Well, that's it, folks. We just wanted to have a really casual conversation on Ogre Maw Tribe tonight. Hope we uh, will we entertained you, and we're going to be coming right back with the question of the day. But hey, Nick, thank you so much for being with us tonight, man. Thank you. Yeah, I really had fun. We'll be back with the question of the day. Hey, gang. I really hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live show so far. Thanks for being with us. But before we get to the question of the day, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in, and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. 
And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to, and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted, and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. All right, here it is, man. If you guys heard it in the beginning of the show, we are here to talk about the question of the day. So we're going to throw this right at uh, Justin first, man. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right, so here's question of the day, and I think you guys heard it earlier on the show. Will Kragnos be the change of focus to the Broken Realm storyline for destruction, or is he part of another Grand Alliance? Well, honestly, I think he's part of another Grand Alliance. I don't think he's going to be in the destruction factions at all. Okay. Okay. Um, Personally, I think he is Karnathi. Uh, And just because with the idea of the silent people and all these other armies that are still floating in the ether and this model coming back being a centaur base and things of that, I think he's going to be Karnathi or he is going to be part of the silent people. Okay. And which is going to be part of the Karnathi in general. I think they're all going to be under the same family. Um. He's the, the picture, yeah, that they showed. I got confused when I first saw it because it's it's listed in a couple other places as well. It was listed underneath the, the twins for Slanesh as well. So I got I thought it was that, but it's not. Okay. Uh, but in general, I think he's going to be Kanarthi, and we're going to see a surge of Fey folk hitting with that race, and wow. he's going to be at the helm of it. Okay. Interesting. That's really interesting. I. Here's my answer. <laughs> um, I think you and I have been kind of hanging out in the same places, man, because it's my belief that Kragnos is the child. I'm going to take it one step further. Is the child of Alariel and Kernoth. Yep. Uh, I think uh, conceived in an attempt to create a union of, of nature's grandest attributes, growth and, uh, you know, um, untamedness, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when, when Kernoth was slain during the Age of Chaos, Kragnos was imbued with all of his father's beastly ferocity, uh, you know, leading to Alariel to have to, you know, seal him away, you know, amid, um, you know, some, uh, some pretty crazy followers that he probably had or, or however the storyline would go. I mean, and I think she Which had to do that why... to kind of save the realms, uh, but right. also to save her son. Right. Which is why I think the silent people are going to be part of that list. Yeah. Oh, so you think the bug people, right. Okay. All right. I'm with yep. you. I'm with you. And, and, you know, and that's why I think Kragnos mentions his people being gone and why he will indeed be a force of destruction. I think uh, he used to be nominally a force of order, but that changed after he and, you know, uh, a new god half of nature and half of savagery essentially was uh, overcharged with the energies of Kernoff, which you know mm-hmm. completely overrode his more uh, approachable aspects, I guess. And that's kind of what I think he's going to be a little bit more towards the uh, the destruction side, if you will. Right, but with with the new destruction race, the Hobgoblin race coming for destruction, you think they're going to do a double down destruction li- army? release in I do. the same year I, I think i think it could happen yeah i do because look at all the years destruction got nothing you know what might be interesting and i'm, I'm spitballing here but what if this he's going to be the first and his army will be the first of a hybrid 
either an order or a destruction army. You oh, have a choice. It don't don't doesn't like Dungeon Dragons do something weird like that? Like you know? Yeah, they do. Like, where there's like multi-classing hybriding thing, hybrids and things of that right, matter. That would right. be kind of an interesting plot twist to this entire thing with the Broken Realms being that we're in Broken Realms is all of a sudden now we have a hybrid army that either works for destruction or works for order, depending on which general's helming it. Well, that's uh that's a good point. I mean, folks, whatever you guys think, uh, your answer to the closing or to the uh, to the question of the day, let us know. But uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that's my thought. I th- I thought there's got to be a tie-in storyline there somewhere, and it has to do probably with Alario yeah. and, and Kernoth, and so we're we're definitely going to have to uh, have to see. But um, we got the we got the closing thoughts here, man. You ready? Ah, uh, sure. All you, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're at the end of our show, as we always come down to this point, nine o'clock, and you know. It's been a long day. We've talked about Ogre Mar tribes, and we've talked about the good, the bad, and the uglies, and the hungry. Um, what we would like to see in our dreams, you know, so to speak. But uh, when it comes down to it, we're playing a game that is pushing dollies across the table. We're having fun. We're rolling dice. This hobby's keeping us sane, and we're you know we're waiting for the we're waiting for the next piece of cheese so to drop, and. We have to remember as hobbyists in this in this t- crazy game we play is to not get too far f- far forward because we can get smacked in the teeth anytime with anything. Um, we can have things stripped away from us and points changes and things of that matter. Uh, we have a new edition coming up, as we know, all know. You know, 3.0 is right around the corner. We have a general's handbook around the corner. We have tournaments around the corners. We're coming back into we're coming back into this hobby being extremely strong, and everything's hitting us as fast as humanly possible. With that being said, take everything with a grain of salt because this game is changing, and it is going to change very fast. And take your time, get to know what's going on, look at the forums, look at the communities, and you'll see what's going. And that's all I can say about it. Until then. Have a good night, guys. Yeah, that uh, that about sums it all up, man. And and that's it. That's a wrap. That's the end of our show. And all the Grimdark goons, and I'd like to thank our guest, Nick, wherever you are out there, buddy, uh, and all of our listeners for another great show. And we look forward to having you guys back next time. We discuss all things related to dice dragons, demons, and dwarves, and the Warhammer world. So please don't forget to join us next Tuesday at 730. And also, please don't forget to uh, give us a like or subscribe uh, and, and follow our mm-hmm. podcast. So until we meet again, remember, roll them dice, fun and fair. Fun and fair. And don't be a short pants. Yep. No short pants allowed. Bye. Bye. From Dark Live, we'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. We'll be back again real soon, so until then, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a freaking short pants. You can get your Grimdark Live fix on on our live show or catch us on our Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live coming to you each and every week. So stay tuned and stay grim while you dice-chucking, blue-sniffing gamer goons. You're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing blue. Remember to embrace the main message here on Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other in this community. We're only as good as our last game.
check us out at GrimDarkLive.com. And don't forget to subscribe, follow, and recommend GrimDark Live to your friends. So long, GrimDark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye. Short pants.